I'm Ari Gronich, and this is Create a New Tomorrow Podcast. Welcome to another episode of Create a New Tomorrow. I'm your host, Ari Gronich, and today I have with me a good dear friend, Robert Riappel. I am not using an intro speech or anything today because I have a, a very deep personal connection to this man. Uh, he was the first trainer at MMI, Millionaire Mind Institute, or Million, Millionaire Mind Intensive, through Peak Potentials, uh, that I went to a training that he did. It was his very first time being a solo trainer. And we had thousands of people in the audience and this man killed it. He went on to train, I think it's over a half a million people in business and life skills. This guy is incredible. And now he's doing this new project that I'm excited to, to talk to him about. But mostly he's just a fantastic person for ideas. I mean, he's owned Domino's franchise. He's been, he married his high school sweetheart. I mean, that guy, you know, who does that these days and stays married to them? He might have a secret or two. I don't know. Let's talk to him. Robert, share a little bit. Give me a, give me a, give me your intro. <laughs> well, you know, I'm just happy to be here because as you know, I love to have fun. I believe there's way too many serious people on this planet and life's too short not to have fun. And um, it's interesting that you brought up my high school sweetheart because actually yesterday on the time of recording of this, yesterday was our 32nd wedding anniversary. And so, yeah, met when we were 13, started dating when we were 16, got married when we were 19. Uh oh, I just started giving my age away. So, <laughs> and I just, you know, I've been blessed. You know, I, I'm international best-selling author, app designer, and entrepreneur, and I'm a trainer that's traveled the world. You know, before COVID, I was on average traveling 200,000 miles a year around the world doing training. And it's my passion. It's what I absolutely love to do because a couple things happen. One, when a student comes up to you and says, hey, do you remember when you said this? Here's how it changed my life. Yeah, we're not going to talk about what you were telling me about. All this. <laughs> That's one of the greatest feelings in the world is when you see that you're making an impact, because then you realize that maybe I've taught over half a million people personally. But now how exponentially did that grow by the people that they went back into their lives and impacted and they then impacted and they impacted. That's what gets me really jazzed and excited. So, you know, for me, I'm a guy who does what I love and enjoys life and, you know, helps as many people as I can. Absolutely. So I'm going to tell, tell a story that you don't remember. And it's an impactful story for my life. So I just want to, I want to, I want to share it with the audience because I think it goes along with the idea of creating a new tomorrow. Um, a lot of people know my background and know my history that listen to the show uh, really briefly from rape and molestation, growing up, bullying, being uh, told I was sick and would never get better, having to be injected into puberty. I mean, I, I grew up in a way that was pretty rocky. Let's just <laughs> easily put it that way. I've had 28 uh -huh. friends who have committed suicide. And, wow. uh, and the first attempt I had at suicide was at nine years old. 
And when I was at the MMI, your very first one, you pulled me up on stage to, to speak to the audience. And I had been speaking with EMI and, and Mark Victor Hansen and Robert Allen with the Enlightened Millionaire, uh, Millionaire Institute. I had been doing Money in You, and I, I had been doing all kinds of things. I'd been in the industry a while, and I had recently worked on somebody. This was over 20 years ago, I think. Well, not 20, but it was close. It was, what was the 2004. first? 2004. 2004. So yeah, it was close. Yeah, it was close to 20. Yeah. So I had just gotten back from the Paralympics, working on some of the most amazing athletes, gold medals under my hands, left and right, world records broken, not just Paralympic records, but world records. And I, I, was, I was feeling really blessed. And at this moment, I get up on stage and you ask me, I think it was what my best memory of my business was or something like that. And I spoke about the Olympics. And then I spoke about this guy that I worked on who was paralyzed for 30 years. And I was called in to basically help him be more comfortable, keep his body, you know, his, the movement of his body. But he had been quadriplegic for the first 10 years and paraplegic for the last 20. He took a hit of LSD in the 60s, thought he could fly jumped off a balcony and crushed his spine. So he had been very wealthy family, had been to like the best of the best in the world. And when I started touching him and I was thinking about it in my head, like how, how could I help him the best? I was thinking if he went from quadriplegic to paraplegic after 10 years, he could go from paraplegic to walking. I just, it was something, I was young and dumb and I knew this. And this is actually a story that I tell a little bit on my trailer actually for, for the show. So I get up on stage and I'm telling the story of how in three months of working with this man, I had him walking. Wow. And I said, he could feel my fingers on his toes. He could move his hips forward on his own mental accord. He had arm crutches, but he could move. I mean, he had been crawling for 20 years. And I said something along the lines of, even though I've had all of these amazing accomplishments, because of my past, I still feel like I'm worthless. And 2,500 people, I think, at that event, something around there, 1,500 to 2,500, I don't remember. It was big. And it was vulnerable. And you pulled me aside after the event was over. And you told me how valuable I was to you and to the event at large. And how much worth I had delivered in that five minutes of talking. And the fact that you were able to come and show me in a physical way how much I meant to you and how much that I was valuable was a big turning point 
in the way that I started to see myself. It was still a journey. And obviously with life directions, we did a lot of things together, but it was the beginning of a journey that was really powerful. And I, I've never told you that. I wanted to take this opportunity to share it with you so that the audience gets how much of an impact you've had. And that's me. You've done this with half a million almost people where you've literally taken the time to go individually to some of them and tell them how much they meant to you. And so that's how I want to start because this is all about creating a new tomorrow, activating our vision for a better world. You embody the authenticity and the drive of that. And so I I wanted to tell you that and then get your feedback too, because it meant so much. And I've never told you that. Wow, dude, I, I'm, all I'm going to say is right now, if I had hair on the top of my head, it'd be standing up because every other hair on my body is, I'm lit. And I appreciate you sharing that with me because if, see, and this is what people don't understand is when they live their authentic life and they follow what their passion, they have the courage. You know, it's something in, in the new kind of trainings I've been doing. I talk about instead of having the courage to live life, it's authentically having the courage to allow life to live you. And that's a whole different paradigm shift. And so when I hear things like that, I, I don't have expectations. I don't have, am I going to help people? How will I help people? You know, I hope they get this out of this. I just, I got to be me because if I try to implement what I think should happen, I take away half the magic or more. And so to hear that absolute magic of what you just shared with me, thank you. That, wow. I, I don't even, man, I don't even know where to go from here now. <laughs> well, you know, the, the, the idea is that we're creating this world. We're living in a place that feels to many people so disconnected, so like, Everything, you know, the, George Carlin said it, we, we make things like computers to connect the world and then it divides us so much. Mm-hmm. And so as we're creating a new tomorrow, as we're living that authentic life, as we're activating those visions for a better world, you're one of the people who has actively done that your entire life. And so ha- that's how, where we go with it is, what caused you to be that kind of a man, right? What was the things yeah. that triggers? And then, you know, obviously through this show, we're going to talk a lot about tips and tricks and things that people can do. But really, I want that. I want to have a deeper conversation with you today. And look, let's, let's go there. Um, because that's where I think a lot of value. Because I look at, say, what's going on in the world today. And one of the worst things I think they could have done was call it social distancing. Physical distancing, yes, stay safe. But now more than ever, people need to be social. And so a couple of things I've implemented over this past year is something as simple as when I do my gratitude journal in the morning. I don't, um, you know, it, it started off as a success journal. I write down five successes for the day. And then it started to morph into what, am, you know, what success have I had, but what am I grateful for? What and who am I grateful for? And then when I'd write down names, because obviously a name would pop in my head just because of they, there's something I remembered about them. And in that moment, it was like, I'm grateful for this person in my life. 
And over this past year, it's morphed into, instead of just writing their name, what about sending them a message? And if I can, send them a voice message. But the key has been with, I do it with no expectation. No, um, hey, Aria, this is Robert here. I just want to let you know, I'm grateful for you in my life today. Get back to me. No, <laughs> yes, and you're laughing because you know how that feels if it was like that. Um, so I send it with no expectation of whether ever they hear it, get it, send something back or not. And I do it because, and, and I'll say something like, you know, I just want to let you know in my gratitude journal, I thought of you today because of bum, 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 bum. Thank you for being in my life. I hope you're doing amazing and you and your family are safe. And I ended at that. Now, some people get back and, and we've had some great connections and others don't. And, and it's just, and, or some people just give me a heart or, and everything's perfect. So things like that, because you're right with technology, how easy today is it to stay more connected, but why don't we? Why is it that people sit around a table and everybody is in eating, but they're all disconnected? Because yes, exactly. Their, their fingers and their thumbs are going on their phone. And it's like, or, and some of them will text across the table to each other. That's how they communicate. It's like, really? Yeah. <laughs> I, I find it hilarious in my house where somebody will text the person upstairs. Hey, it's dinner time. Instead of just calling, Hey, it's dinner time. <laughs> like, yeah, right. right? Text. Well, <laughs> because that ding on the phone will get their attention, but a, a holler won't. Right. And, and so kind of to answer the question, why am I the way I am? Look, I, I'm the youngest of four children. And to get my share of attention, I became that people pleaser. And, and I was like, ah, I got to, you know, I got to get people like me. I'm, I'm very shy. And a lot of people have a hard time believing that. <laughs> but I am. I'm, I'm traditionally shy. But I hide my shyness by being outgoing. And so I've done some crazy stuff in my life. And, but my direction was always, look, um, we were born on the wrong side of the tracks. We're, we're the wrong real pals. And I don't know if I ever shared that with you about even the spelling of my name. Something I didn't real, realize until a few years ago and probably thank goodness. But um, when we, I started researching my last name, real pal, which is a French name, it can be spelled R-I-O-P-E-L, which is how mine is, or R-I-O-P-E-L-L-E, um, which is another version. Those are the two most common. And if your name was spelt with the L-L-E, that meant you were born into the upper crust of the Riopels, the right side of the tracks, the affluent. But if your name was spelt just R-I-O-P-E-L, that meant you were the trash. You couldn't afford the extra L and the extra E. Right, because you know letters are expensive. They are expensive. <laughs> I afford those letters. And, and, and it has something to do with the masculine and feminine or whatever, but... You know, and, and so I look back at my family history and no wonder my grandparents came West. You know, no wonder they were pioneering and, and, you know, trying to change life. And so thank goodness I didn't know that because as a child, what would I have done? Oh, I would have ingrained that so deep of why I can't be successful. And I was taught though, because my parents, everyone in my family, my dad, second oldest of 10 kids and the only non-entrepreneur in the family. All right. right. And so I, it was you, you do whatever you need to do to take care of your family. Um, I was actually talking to my dad about this yesterday and is that we were nomads when we were young. I never spent more than six months, maybe a year in a school because they were always having to move to get work to feed the family. Cause that was number one, whether you liked the job or not, you did what you needed to do to take care of your family. And so I learned my work ethic from them. 
But thank goodness, um, I had people enter my life that said, no, there's something more. And we spoke about it earlier, which is my wife. You know, one of the greatest gifts she gives me is she's not willing to let me play smaller than I am. And in fact, if it was left up to me, I have no problem admitting it. I would be comfortably miserable in a job right now. Miserable. But I'd be going, but this is what I'm supposed to do. So I'll, I'll suck it up. I will do my job. I will, because if it's stable and it's paying me, I don't complain. No, I just do what I need to do. But she won't let me play in that state. Nice. Good for her. Yeah. Yeah. And, I, you know, and that's I, a gift I now give her as yeah. well, because it's got to go two ways, right? Yeah. I remember my dad sitting in a, or well, standing in a telephone booth with a bag full of quarters and a telephone book, telemarketing in the middle of orange groves in California, like in the middle of nowhere, orange groves. I, and wow. I remember this, I, I, you know, for him, it was one of his worst moments. For me, it was one of my best because I saw the lengths to which my father loved me. Mm, yeah. that's, how I, that's how I took it was mm -hmm. he didn't show, you know, um, he was very busy. He, he always trying to survive. So while he showed love, he was very busy. He was an absent. And yet he, that act of doing that made me know that what he was doing was worth it. Like he was yeah. doing it for us. And even though I felt that abandonment as a kid, I also saw why. And it was, that was really powerful. So I, I like that, that you got that from your dad. Yeah. And, and that's the thing is it's, it's, you know, they, both my parents went through health issues and the other one would always step up when the other one was in the hospital and, you know, work the two jobs and take care of the kids or what have you. And so I learned a lot of amazing things from my family and it, it just, it's, so it's made me who I am today. And I will always look at that and go, I'm grateful for that. You know, talk about the gratitude. I'm grateful. And when you talk about creating a new tomorrow, probably one of the biggest things I feel people can do is really focus more on what they are grateful for. Don't, don't focus on the lack or what's pissing them off or why they don't have this or why they don't have that. Just focus even a little bit, just a little bit on something you're grateful for. Like even taking a deep breath and going, yep, I was able to do that. I was able to do that. I'm grateful for the fact that, yeah, you and I are doing this interview and I'm not at home because I'm able to be here supporting family that are going through some pretty major stuff right now. And because we have the freedom financially to be wherever we need to be, I'm grateful for that. You know, those, those are the things I focus on. And, and especially during this time with isolation, do you reach out to people and, and something I instill upon my students? Three people a day, just reach out and ask a simple three words. How are you? And then open your ears and listen. Don't go, go, hey, Ari, how are you? Oh, great. I'm glad you're, you're, you're okay and I'm doing good too. Like, <laughs> which is what a lot of people do. But actually be present in the moment and, and just be interested in how they are. And watch what that can do for people just by authentically showing some interest in them. 
You know, it's weird because I was talking to my son recently, he's seven, and I was teaching him a little bit about focus and how important being able to focus is. And it's interesting because what you said about being present is what I said to him about focus. So he was at dinner and he was jumping up every bite. He had to go somewhere and do something and get distracted by some somewhere and something. Right. And what I told him is, have you ever tried to be really present with your food? Really present with the flavors and the experience of it on your tongue, the smell as it's going down, you know, the feeling in the back of your throat as you swallow the chewing. Like, have you ever been really present with that? And it was interesting because that's a very similar thing to what you're saying, but being present with people, being present with anything is so difficult and requires a lot of focus. So do you have any like trips or ticks? Like how, how does somebody be present with somebody else without the background noise in their head? That's a good concept to say to somebody, but like practicality, let's get down to the practice. Like, how do they do that? Yeah. Well, you know, first of all, it takes practice. Don't think that, Oh, I now you know, Arian Roberts just told me that this is a great thing to do. So I just learned it. Uh, I should be good at it. I should be a pro at it because that's how we sabotage ourselves, right? Uh, one of my favorite quotes, probably in Harv's book, um, my favorite quote of all, every master was once a disaster, which means you're going to be a disaster. You're going to go through a disaster stage. You've got to practice. And that's what most people, they forget or choose not to do. They choose not to practice. So when it comes to that, I'm going to go back to something I learned back in 2002 that has served me all my life. I actually, and, and because you know me, you know how tough this was for me. I did a four-day Zen retreat with a Zen master where I could not speak for four days. Roxanne was in bliss, I think, during those four days. <laughs> but I couldn't speak, and it was all about what you were talking about, even with the food. What you're just saying with your son, and that's what made me think about it, is... We couldn't, when we sat down for a meal, we were all facing the same direction, looking at beautiful scenery. And you'd take your um, fork or knife or spoon, put a mouthful in, put it down, and then intend to notice everything about that flavor, the texture, the smell, and just chewing it. And then um, experience yourself taking it in. And then you take a deep breath before you take another spoonful. And I, I don't eat that slow normally. Oh my goodness. And in the beginning, it, it felt like, <laughs> in the beginning, it felt like I was going, <laughs> but by the time I did it for four days straight, it became natural. So one, one tip, practice. But what really brought me to this was something that really impacted me that my teacher had said, because every night we were able to break our silence to ask questions. And there had been a question that was going around in my head going around in my head but I was too afraid to ask it and another woman voiced it and she said Sherry she goes um you know while we're here and we're meditating in this space it's easy we you know it's uncomfortable not but it's easy because we're in the space how do I do this when I go home I'm a mom I'm busy I got kids screaming I don't have time to sit down for 20 minutes and go 
oh, right? <laughs> she goes, what do I do? And Sherry's answer to me was so profound. She said, she goes, look, meditating means being present. So the fact is, anything that you're doing where you're actually present in that moment, you're meditating. And all of a sudden I went, wow. So when I'm on the stage, if I'm present with my audience, I'm meditating. When I'm talking to an audience member one-on-one, if they're sharing, people go to me all the time, Robert, how is it you draw out of people and can see what's going on in their life? It's because I'm not up here in my head. I am just connected with them. I'm present. So I'm actually meditating. So they think that I'm helping them, which I am, but it's also helping me. Right now, you and I are having this conversation. I'm aware of everything that's going on around me, but I'm here in this moment with you right now. So I'm practicing my meditation. And so if you want to know how a practical skill to create it is start, take 10 seconds and truly taking that deep breath and be present in the moment of what you're doing. And then try it again a little bit later and then do it again. And then every time you go, oh, present practice. Oh, okay. Okay. Start with taking a deep breath because you can only breathe in that present and just bring yourself to where you are. And then notice where you are. Are you in your head or are you actually truly here? I just, and tried, you'll see what happens. I just tried to breathe in the future and it didn't work. I know, right? I, it's it's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> now, try, now try doing it in the past. <laughs> Oh yeah, you and I are going to have so much fun as we keep talking because that's the thing is, it, you know, and another tip is don't take things so seriously. Even when life seems serious, yeah. find the humor. I was, I was doing a uh, hypnosis course and it was a um, past life regression course and the instructor was channeling a being or an entity named, I think, Miss Dr. Peabody or something like that. Uh, it was some weird name that I was like, oh, glad it wasn't Cleopatra. But because it always is, you know, I'm Cleopatra in the form of, how many Cleopatras have you met? Anyway, so Mr. Peabody <laughs> said, if you want to be enlightened, you got to lighten up. Yeah. I went, oh right? my God, do I have a lot of practicing to do? Because I'm a, you know, I grew up, I'm a pretty serious person most of the time. And, uh, and I got serious work to do to create a new tomorrow. And, you know, I was like, and now I, I like, oh, breathe, dude, breathe. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, yeah, you know, people, people yeah. have forgotten that living is about living and that living mm-hmm. is about breathing and breathing in life, you know, mm-hmm. and, and- it's about Stopping that joy of life. You said about your son. Mm-hmm. You know, what you said about your son is where he's he's modeling you. So when you talk to him about you know being present, use that as a reminder for yourself to be present in that moment. Because every moment you're impacting people around you, whether you know it or not. And most people you're impacting them with not with what you're saying, but it's how you're acting, what you're doing, your way of being. And so if someone said, well, how do I create a better tomorrow, a new tomorrow? Well, just start with you and then allow that example. Is it going to impact a ton of people? Maybe not. 
is it going to help even one person? Maybe not, but it will help you. Right. Yeah. The, the, uh, the whole idea of competition, right. To me is, is been inverted because the only competition that I think anybody should ever be in competition with is yesterday's version of myself or yesterday's version of you. Right. So let's talk a little bit about how you can be in competition with yourself so that you're consistently in that growth mode without overwhelm. I'm glad you put that last part in there because as soon as you put it, phrase it in competition with yourself, people are like, oh my goodness, I got to go always get better because if I'm not getting better, I suck. Right, and then that gets, becomes a reason to beat themselves up. And oh my God, if I suck, then why am I even trying? I'm just gonna give up. Now, it, look, it's without getting that overwhelmed, and that's where the practice of being present really comes in. And ask yourself, did I take one more step? And then celebrate it. You know, um, in my first book, Success Left a Clue, step number four is celebrate your successes. Yeah, you notice I had to count on my fingers. <laughs> Thank goodness there's not like 25 steps where I'd never get through them because I only have 10 fingers, 10 toes, right? So <laughs> I, I tell people, celebrate your successes because then that, what you're focusing on puts you more towards that. So reason I determined and noticed most people get overwhelmed is they set a goal. Okay, Ari just told me to only compete with myself. So that means... I'm going to do this and this and this and this and this, and I got to get better at it. I got to be really good. And they're now a thousand steps ahead of themselves trying to figure it out, trying to figure out how they're going to do it. Is it good enough? What if I misinterpreted it? Do, am I doing it the right way? Is that what he really meant? Any of this sounding familiar? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so you, that's where they take that deep breath and you say, okay, how am I doing right now? I'm doing good. Excellent. Okay. Let's take one more step. And then check in with yourself. How am I doing? And in the, in the beginning, it'll probably drive you freaking insane because it'll feel like you're not moving anywhere. But if you stay consistent, persistent and consistent, how do you develop any habit? You have to do it over and over. Um, you know, when I, when I used to do my podcast, um, one of the things, one of my episodes I was talking about was how, how does a, a singer, a singer, get their song to become number one on the radio or on, you know, media. Mm-hmm. Do you think they sing it once and then never sing it again? Only if they recorded it <laughs> on YouTube. Right. That, that viral. Uh... Yeah, let, that's true. That's very true. I actually, <laughs> no, no, no. We're, we're, you know, here's the thing. <laughs> I'm just I'm just using the fact that you're old and we're talking about records instead of uh, instead of digital downloads. Right. <laughs> and I was just teasing my sister-in-law about this yesterday when she keeps kept saying, I you know, I watch my favorite show on tape and I'm like, really? Is that real? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Oh, goodness. Yep, I'm old. Hey, my birthday was only two weeks ago. So come on now. <laughs> I am old. I know. <laughs> Your, yours was two weeks ago. Mine was last week. I think that, uh, that, that this was a perfect timing for a show. 
to highlight our, our elderly capabilities because, you know, kids these days think that they, they are much smarter than us old fogies. So. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Well, to finish my story then, yes, fellow Gemini, is, is other than the viralness of it, when a singer sings their song, to get it to number one, they have to sing it again and again, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times. And the ones that don't make it are the ones that start getting bored easily and trying to change their song up, making little adjustments, little uh, tweaks, right? H- have you ever been at a concert and you love a song and all of a sudden the singer sings it in a different way at the concert. And you're like, ew. I can't sing the, to that. You know? Yeah, I can't sing yeah. to that. Yeah, it, it's crazy. So it's the same thing with any habit you want to create. If someone wants to become a trainer, they go, Robert, how do I become a trainer? Practice. Tenacious practice. You've got to do it over and over and over again. And so creating a new tomorrow is about saying, A, I choose to. B, what's one step I can take? C, celebrate it and then go, okay, what's my next step now? And just be gentle with yourself. Because, and you, I know will be, a, well, no, you, this has never happened to, for you. Never. So forget I'm, I'm referring to you on this one. <laughs> How many of us, if we had a best friend that treated us the way we treat ourselves, they wouldn't be our friend for very long. But okay. yet we take it from ourselves. Right. Oh yeah, I've been I've been uh, trying to rewrite the golden rule because I disagree completely with it. Because we don't want people to treat us the way we treat ourselves. No, we want we want us to we want people to treat us the way we treat other people. <laughs> so yeah. The golden rule is, has gotten a little shifty for me, but yeah, I mean, you know, we definitely the self talk that is in most people's heads is so toxic. And, uh, and I like that you're, you're saying that because one of the things that I do with, with trauma work a lot is mirrors, you know, it's, Mm -hmm. it's not about affirmations. Affirmations to me are, are like akin to motivation, which is almost nothing, right. Doesn't, doesn't provide what it's supposed to for very long, but staring in the mirror for 300 hours, crying, screaming, wailing until you find the pieces of you that you love until you strip the masks of inauthenticity from yourself, the masks of trauma. I tell people everything that you think about yourself is literally just a mask of trauma Mm -hmm. that you put on or other people have put on you. And our goal is to strip those masks off of trauma so that we can be authentic. Yep. Absolutely. And look, you know, that's, that's when I would do the mirror work, I started off with hair. By the time I removed everything, my hair was gone. <laughs> I couldn't resist. I had to go there. And, and if someone's just listening to this, because, you know, there may be people just doing audio, they had to know I'm aerodynamic. I'm aerodynamic. And ladies and gentlemen, I'm, I'm not short. I've been told I'm just more grounded. So I like that as well. <laughs> uh, closer to the earth, yes. Huh. Yes. I'm sure. Yes. You're just close to the earth. Mr. Clean. Where's the earring, Mr. Clean? That's all I want. <laughs> yeah. Well, it could be this earbud that's in my ear. It just flipped up and goes in. It's multi-purpose today because Mr. Clean and the earring is so yesterday. You're talking about age. Come on now. Now it has to have multi-purpose. <laughs> yes. 
So we're cleaning ourselves up. <laughs> we're, 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 getting, we're getting to be present. Now what? Right? Now what? So somebody is looking at their life going, now what? And by the way, I like the fact that you brought up some questions and what kinds of questions are not necessarily the best questions, like why me? As you were, you were stating a little bit, why me? Why does this happen to me? Why, you know, what are some better questions that people can ask? And, mm. you know, and, and I say that because one of the ones that I ask is what's next a lot. What's the best next thing for me? What's the next thing I should be doing? What should I do now? Right. Those are the kinds of questions that I ask myself. So what are questions that, that you have people asking themselves so that they get to that place. So once they're present, now what? Yeah. You know, well, you hit on one of my favorites, two powerful words. What's next? Uh, you know, I, March 10th, 2020, I land in back in Canada from doing a powerful three-day training in India. March 11th, I get locked down. All my live events around the world start getting trans, um, canceled. And look, I, I'm not going to say I'm perfect. I'm all that. I went through victim role in the first few days. Like, what the, fuck? you know, and I was pissed. And then my, I took a deep breath and I went, what's next? And all of a sudden the answers started coming. Well, Robert, for years, you've been saying you wanted to go digital. You, and I talked to myself a lot. I do, Ari, I, I'm going to admit it. And talking to yourself is never a problem. It's maybe when you start arguing with yourself, you might be having to, you know, maybe, maybe we're, look at it a bit we're, more. We're Geminis. We're Geminis. We are. Right? Look, I'm a Gemini and a Jew. And if you know anything about Jewish people, you get 10 Jews in a room, you've got 100 opinions. Now multiply <laughs> that by Gemini. Right? You know, some people don't know how to take it when I walk into a store that says, um, because of COVID, the sign on the door, maximum eight people in the store at a time. And I say, oh, um, I can't come in because all my personalities aren't allowed to come with me. <laughs> now, some people laugh at that. They get it. And other people are just too serious. They're like, what do you mean? <laughs> I'm like, if I have to explain it, never mind. <laughs> and, and you know, I, before I answer the question, I'm, I'm going to go back because something else you said about um, not taking yourself so seriously. Because I like to have so much fun and I've chosen that to be my way I remember a person asked me one time, they're going, Robert, I can never um, follow you or listen to you because you don't take anything seriously. And I said, not a problem. I said, but I will tell you, I take fun seriously. And all of a sudden they looked at me and they went, oh, I guess that makes sense. <laughs> and I didn't know if it would or not, but <laughs> it's, 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 so what's next is one of the biggest questions, those two powerful words. But it's also another one. The other phrase is something you did say, but in it, I'm going to do it in a different way. Instead of going, why me? It's why me? And now turn it into a curiosity of what was the lesson in what just happened or what was the lesson in what you went through or what was the lesson? Because I am a huge firm believer. And I'll tell you, in the beginning, I was so in the box thinker because of the way I was raised. Anything outside the box that was airy, fairy, woo-woo, forget about it. Forget about it. Like even my dad today, he's 83 years old. He's about to turn 84 in a couple of days. Another Gemini. Woo -woo. And you, 
you'll sit there and you'll say, dad, what about doing this? No. Well, why not? And, and as soon as he says, no, you're never going to change his mind because he, he doesn't open his mind to anything. Right. It's, it's, this is the way it is. Okay. And I've learned you don't try and um, change his mind because the harder you try, the more he'll just dig in deep. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's just, it is what it is. So I'm a big believer that everything happens for a reason, which a lot of people have heard that statement, but a lot of people haven't heard the whole statement. They've only ever heard that everything happens for a reason, but the whole statement is actually everything happens for a reason. And that reason is there to serve me. And now if you look at it from that perspective, and I'll use um, kind of what got me back um, out of retirement. I don't know if you remember, but in 2008, I was so burnt out from traveling and training so much, I had to take a hiatus. I was burnt out. And because I wasn't taking care of my body, I was giving so much, I forgot to take care of me. I herniated my back and I decided to take one year off. But that one year turned into three and a half years. And I went through two back surgeries during that time. And I had to, like I say, I was burnt out for about three months. My wife goes, no, you couldn't look at a suitcase or anything for nine months. You just, you know, it would put you back into that space. And so when I was in my retirement, I went from overliving my passion to not living it at all. And I realized both were bad. Overliving it, I wasn't taking care of myself. I was getting burnt out. My body was paying the price, not living it at all. The old negative non-supportive habits started coming back in. Because people think, and this is a misconception, they think, well, I've learned this and it should be permanent now. And I'm going to use, oh, 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 I, I'm going to explain it like this because it's, yeah, we're squirreling here, but I'll get back to your question. <laughs> no, that's good. I don't, I don't mind nonlinear conversations. Oh, perfect. Well, you, you've, you've seen the documentary or have you, um, Social Dilemma? Yes. And, and it's really, a lot of people are going, oh my God, what are they doing? They're tracking everything. They see how long I pause on a video and now they're sending me all those ads. How dare they? And they've all, a lot of people, what's given attractions, a lot of people have seen it in a negative way. Well, a friend of mine, who's someone you know as well, um, Aaron Huey, he took a deep dive into it. He said, let's take a look at it this in a different way. Because everything happens for a reason. That reason's there to serve me. And all of a sudden, he came up with what he calls his algorithm talk. Because what he put the twist on it, which is brilliant, he said, well, uh, let me ask like this. Uh, Ari, do you believe in the law of attraction? I believe the law of action, traction. <laughs> think, you know, we, you, we've had discussions, but the law of attraction to me is the movie, the secret, all that stuff. It, it's a great beginning. It didn't finish. And, and it's, it left people wanting, which is where, um, you know, I, I take offense to it. Uh, yeah. What I do like is the science of getting rich, the book, the science of getting rich, which is where yeah. all that LOA comes from originally yeah. back in 1908 or something like that. And I like that because yeah. it's a little more matter of fact, but it's all the same. And you're right. The, the action's missing. That's what people, they think, oh, I'll just think it. No, they've got to take action, which is absolutely true. Um, I'm going to suggest you check out the movie Beyond the Secret. It's a, a follow-up. It just came out uh, about a year and a half ago. And it brings back a lot of the secret guests where they were able to go deeper and like, yeah, the secret uncovered it, but let's go beyond the secret and, you know, dive in deeper. So you might want to check that out. But um, what he noticed is he said, if you realize it, this social dilemma 
actually just unveiled the truth of the greatest law of attraction working in our favor. Because take a look at any social media you're doing. So it's tracking everything you do. And you're looking at your feed going, why am I getting all this? Because that's what you've been focusing on. He said, so if you don't like what's popping up, then change your focus. If you notice that something, instead of slowing down and reading it, and, and think of how bipolar people have become over COVID. Right. So someone sees an article that someone has a different point of view, and they get on there and they give their point of view, and this you're wrong because of this. And also now they're getting flooded with all these contradictory to their beliefs, and they're getting more upset. Well, what about just going scrolling by that? You know, and, and when you see something you like, slow your scroll. That's my new hashtag. Slow your scroll. <laughs> and actually, because if they're tracking how long you're looking at something, now, right? Mm-hmm. If they're tracking how long you're looking at something, then slow your scroll to something you like and give it a heart instead of just like. And watch how instantly, because this is the powerful thing. And I've done it. He's done it. We've done it with thousands of students now. You can instantly change your feeds on social media by really consciously choosing what you want to look at. And people go, that's awesome. But here's what they don't realize. That's the easy part. See, the hard part is the maintenance of it. Right. And that's where I've now started to really change my focus on things is because, yeah, when I do breakthroughs with people, they get that instant change. That's that motivation you were talking about. Right. But then also they go in, into, back into their environment and they wonder why they slide back. And that's where having mentors and being part of mastermind groups, having coaches, it's the maintenance that makes the difference. And so when I was in my hiatus, I had said, I'm taking one year off. That's the message I put out to the universe. And then also in one year, turned into a year and a half and the universe started sending me universe god whatever you want to go by started saying messages robert you said you're only taking a year off you're not training yet and you know what happens if you don't listen to a message that comes your way from the universe smack yeah it sends it to you again within a harder way and if you don't listen again well here it is august 10th 2010 i'm now two years into my hiatus of the one year i said i was going to take off and I, my in-laws happened at the time where I lived. They lived across the street and seven doors up. And my mother-in-law phoned and said, look, we're having problems with the TV. Would you mind coming up and help me out? I'm like, absolutely not a problem. I walk out. It's a gorgeous, one of the few gorgeous sunny days we get in Alberta. <laughs> and I, across from our house was a big playground, about 30 kids in it. I go up, I help her get the TV going. I'm walking back down the sidewalk. I'm about to cross the street to my driveway when a couple comes walking with a big bull massive dog from the um, pathway beside our house. And I love animals. So they're standing in front of my driveway. I'm on the sidewalk. And I said, Dumb, is she friendly? And they said, no, she's not. We just rescued her. We're rehabilitating, re- rehabilitating her right now. I said, okay, not a problem. So they stayed there. I stayed where I was. We talked for a while. And then eventually I knelt down and they slowly brought her to me. I let her smell my hand petted her head, petted her neck. There was no issues until the moment I went to stand up. And the moment I went to stand up, she lunged at my throat. Now, thank goodness, in the standing motion, my chin naturally dropped. So instead of getting my throat, she got my chin. And she lashed on so hard, she started trying to pull me to the ground. I'm instantly in shock. And the only thought in my head is, if she gets me to the ground, I'm dead. So I stood up 
And this dog's now hanging off my chin, 160 pounds, trying to pull me to the ground. The guy physically had to grab her jaws, pry them open. And now there's blood all over the place. And it's taking both him and his wife to hold her back with the leash because she's trying to get back at me. Now, the only thought that enters my mind is there's 30 kids behind me in that playground. And I'm holding my chin in the blood. And I'm like, look, I live right there. Just get her out of here. Get her away from these kids. They start dragging her up the um, street. And I start walking on my driveway, blood all over the place. I'm getting up to my front door and I'm about to open the door. Now the only thought in my head, Ari, is if I get blood in the house, my wife's going to kill me. <laughs> it is insane what goes through your head when you're shocked. Right? And I open the door and I think I did it you know, calmly. I'm like, Roxanne? Well, obviously it wasn't calm because she comes running. She sees the blood. She's like, what happened? I'm like, a dog attacked me. And so she gets a towel, gets it up to my chin to stop the bleeding. And now I'm safe. So my fight or flight, I'm now, I'm safe. I'm okay. And I start to get lightheaded and I'm about to pass out. And my wife knows if I drop, there's no way she's getting me to that vehicle to get me to the hospital. So she looks at me and she goes into, and you'll, you understand this because we've done the course. She goes into warrior mode. <laughs> and she looked at me and she goes, don't you faint, get to that car. And I'm like, yes, dear. <laughs> and I go up to the vehicle. She drives me to the hospital, five hours in emergency to get seen. And the guy comes in and he's cleaning up and they don't like to cl um, uh, close up dog bites because they want any bacteria to be able to flush out. So under my goatee, there's three puncture wounds from the dog, but right here on my chin, it had ripped through. And so he had to actually clean it up, cut some of the skin and took nine stitches to close that up. Now, look, I went into victim mode and I'm like, why the f did this happen to me? And when I calmed down, I switched the question to why did this happen to me? And all of a sudden, as soon as the curiosity was activated from that space of, you know, okay, it, it happened for a reason, that reason that it served me, so why? And all of a sudden, what came to my mind is something you know, taught at Life Directions, that universal principle, that which is not utilized is eliminated. My gift had one inch further, the dog would have got my jugular. And me and my gift would have been gone just like that. And I realized, wow, I'm not living my gift. And it could be taken that quickly. And in that moment, I made the decision. I, did, I had to train again. I didn't have to train because financially, I hadn't had to do anything for years but I had to train because it was my gift to the world, if that makes sense. And I'm looking at the universe going, I don't need any more lessons. I got it. I got it. And within two weeks of me making that decision, me owning it, within two weeks, I got a call asking if I'd come out of retirement. And it was an easy, yes. Mm -hmm. you know? <laughs> yes, I will. Give me six weeks. Got a chin to got to clear up. <laughs> well, and, and actually it took a year and a half because of, I was going through the rehabilitation of two back surgeries. Mm. And because one of the decisions was, if I'm going to do this again, I will not put my body through that again. Right. I will take care of my body. And so, um, and that's when I decided that instead of doing 40, 50 full on training a year, I would do maximum 20. So that even with traveling all over the world, I get six months a year to be at home because I like my time off. Yeah, so and that's where I learned more about balance. So I'm going to interrupt you a second. So what I'm hearing is the difference between a goal and an agreement or a commitment mm. 
right? So a lot of people put, I'm going to speak in a year as a goal, right? But yep. then there's, it's like, what happens on the in-between yep. versus an agreement, whereas I'm going to be ready to speak in a year by doing these things up till then so that by that year, I'm on stage having spoken. That's exactly it. So it sounds like you made a, an agreement with yourself. You didn't keep it. So the universe said, and you said, oh, shit, I got it now. Yep. I'm going to keep yep. my agreement. Yep. And, and that's it. Because we're, it's so easy to give up on our agreements. We'll, we'll, we'll stay true to an agreement with another person a lot longer than we will to ourselves. And so it's a matter of saying, my commitment to me is important. My commitment to my beliefs and my goals and my dreams. You know, one of the things I teach people is um, what I call the authority master key. And I love acronyms. So I use the acronym VITAL. And the, the L in VITAL stands for loyalty. And I talk about, and I'll tie it into whatever group I'm talking to about why to be loyal to this and this and this. But then I stop and I say, and the most important thing to be loyal to is your own dreams, plain and simple. And I dropped the mic at that point. I, I do the dramatic effect every once in a while. You know that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, you've got to. I mean, I remember the tea drinking. <laughs> yep. It wasn't drinking tea. It was, I'm drinking tea now. Do you see me drinking tea? <laughs> this is what you should be doing on your stage. <laughs> drinking tea. And, and, yeah. And watching people be bewildered. Like, what is he doing? What does that all mean? Until then, when you explain it, all of a sudden you see the light bulbs go, oh, and they get it, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Wow. So we've gone through questioning and questions that, that matter. And one of the things I want to just clarify within your questioning, you're asking questions out of curiosity versus asking questions out of and I'm going to just fill in my blank, which is out of judgment, out of mm -hmm. already thinking you know the answer. So when you ask a question mm -hmm. like, why me? You already think you know the answer. I'm bad this way. I haven't done this right. I am, I, I, you know, when I was two, I, you know, my, my parents had to spank my butt because I wasn't listening. And when I was 10, it was this. And so I'm just, and it validates an already preconceived question right or answer Absolutely. that you have it's kind of like a, a police officer interrogating somebody in, in an interrogation thinking that they already know that you're guilty so all they're trying to lead you is to the answer that they want right yep versus being exactly curious and asking questions that lead to open-ended solutions or answers right like what's and that's the that's the part i said about uh courageously allowing life to live you versus you living life right and that's what gets you out of victim role because if you're asking the question from the victim space you're going to validate that you're a victim you're going to validate that everything bad happens to you and that you're the one on the receiving end and this is bullshit and no wonder i don't do as good as i could and no wonder my life is crap or you can sit there and say okay i've let that go now what's the lesson that i can use to empower myself yeah for, and and yeah for me like, just for example, I'm doing a lot of trauma work right now. 
Do you mm -hmm. think I would have ever gotten as empathetic and as able to handle the depths of other people's pain had I not experienced those depths of pain myself and come out of them and learned those things? So I absolutely, I used to have that why me, why me, victim, victim, victim. And I still, you know, it's- We all do on a across, little bit. Right, it yeah. still comes across that way. Uh, the, the difference is, is that I own the victim. Like, yeah, I was a victim of that guy who did that thing. And it's not a bad thing to be the victim of something. Like right? somebody gets raped, you're the victim of rape. And it's okay to say that. And what are you going to do now? So for me, yeah. it's what's next. It's what, it, what did I do with that? I took that and yeah. I said, nobody should ever have to live in that kind of emotional turmoil in their bodies like I did for my entire you know, childhood growing up. So I'm going to help people clear that up. I'm going to help people right, because eliminate that that block that's stopping them from living. So, and, and that's what allows you to connect with people I can never connect with. Because if I tried to say, oh, I understand, and I'm coming from a, a place of unknowing. And, you know, I, I'm going to reconnect you with Aaron because I think he would be a phenomenal guest for your podcast um, to go down a deep rabbit hole on this because he talked about let your pain be your path, let your wounds be your way, let your you know, what you've gone through be the resume of why you can actually help other people. And, and when you understand that, okay, I went through this. Now, who can I help? Maybe not have the pain I did. Maybe get through it a little quicker. Maybe decide not to try that suicide. Maybe decide that they are important enough to be on this planet, that this planet needs them. And, and I'm going to say it like that. This planet needs them. So to have that understanding if we didn't have those experiences you would not be connecting with the people so deeply in the way you do and that's one of the things I so appreciate about the fact that you do own that this has been my journey now what and the people that and it comes back to something you and I are talking to may have even been off the recording but you may even you probably don't even have any idea of the people you've actually impacted because of the people you've worked with who have gone back into their life in a different way. And all of a sudden the people in their life are going, wow, something's different about them. So all of a sudden it changes their perspective of life, which then maybe changes someone else's perspective of life. And so you could have four, five, six degrees of separation of people that you've impacted because of helping one person see that, you know what, I create a new tomorrow the way I want to. And if I live my life in a different light, and we don't have to know who we're helping. Right. That's what makes it even better. Just like my story today of you that you didn't know about, right? That, right. that impacted me. I had a similar occurrence. I gave somebody a hug at a party once. I was 24. It was a guy. Uh, he was a psychologist from New York. So very not in their emotions, right? Very mental kind of uh, a person. And about eight years later, he, I was at a Tantra party with him and um, hadn't seen him in many years. And he said, he pulled me aside. He said, I just want to tell you how you impacted me. 
He said, you gave me a hug once at a party and you held on like you meant it. It was like, and that's just me. I was, that was my personality. I'm a cuddler. And um, he said, my family are, are not huggers. In fact, <laughs> before you did that, it had been over 10 years since I had even had a hug from my brother. Wow. And when I went back to New York after that, I was, I was talking to him while we were on the street and I just felt compelled to hug him. And I hugged him and I held on. And it was the first time that we had hugged probably ever in our lives, like fully hugged. And I'm going, okay. <laughs> he said, my entire family has now become a hugging family. Oh, where wow. We love each other and we treat each other like we mean it. And oh. it came from you. And I'm like, I mean, how could you have any idea of that impact? And how could you plan for it? How could you plan that this is the impact you're going to have today? That's the beautiful that, part. It was just, I mean, mm -hmm. we never know what the impact is. And especially my favorite thing, the butterfly effect, you know, what are the ripples? What's the ripple effect? What's the butterfly effect of any action that we do? Whether it's a good consequence or a bad consequence, there's a ripple effect to every action. And every yeah. action typically has polarity in the consequences, in the things that happen, right? Yeah. So if you, yeah. uh, if you get off, off uh, coal, for instance, right? You have a net effect of positivity for the environment, for, for instance. However, there's going to be an effect of all these people who have their livelihoods for the last couple hundred years that they won't have. So if you know that there's a ripple effect, you can plan for it. And then you could say, okay, so what are those, the ripple effects 10, 20 years down the line, 100 years down the line? And all of a sudden, the plan becomes so detailed in the minutiae that you can really yep. actually create the change knowing that you're going to have an effect here and we're going to compensate there. We're going to have effect here. We're going to come, you know, it's, it's yep. a beautiful and you, thing. You, have, you affect change right. instead of infecting change. You know, you and the coronavirus and your infections. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I did have a good Corona last night sitting around the fire. So oh, I like my Corona. <laughs> well, you know, it's the crown, right? It's the crown. The that's crown it. jewel. Well, that's what Corona is. Cor corona is, yep. right? So they made it the king. They put all these spike proteins to give it a crown. And then they named it after that. And they said, hey, you're the king of all pandemics. I mean, pandemics. Yeah. 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 Was that my outside voice? Yeah. Yeah. That, <laughs> that was a slip of the tongue. A Freudian slip. But anyway, so <laughs> I think people are getting that, that there's so many ways to be when you're creating a new tomorrow, but the, the actions of questioning with curiosity, the need to balance for overwhelm, right? There's all these different places that people go. What I find is like, most people, they walk around the house all day or the office all day, not knowing what to do next, right? Yep. First yep. See that you see people in, in like, I just don't know what to do. 
And so I'm not doing anything because I don't know what to do. It's like they're paralyzed in this confusion space. So, and then they go, but I'm so busy, I don't have time for anything. Right, but the busy is usually up here, not the external busy. It's the, like, I, I know this for me. I get so stuck in the head and I get so busy in my thoughts, planning new things, thinking of new things, flushing out my ideas that I go, I am so busy. And I hadn't done anything the whole day. Yep. Right. But yet you're drained. I'm drained. You, that, the mental drain just really. And then you're like, how am I going to keep this up? Is it worth it? Because look, I, I haven't even really accomplished anything. And yet I'm so tired. That becomes yeah. that catch 22. Right. So what is, you know, the business tricks, you've been a business trainer. We're not talking a whole lot about business, but what's the business trick for life for when somebody gets to a place where the mental overwhelm, the, the, the language in the head, the words, the voices, the, the stories, the wants, the needs the I don't haves, all that stuff gets crowded yeah. in somebody's mind. How, how would you quiet the uh, quiet the storm. You know, we did this thing called wizard once. And so I'm kind of bringing you into a wizardly way of, of being here so that yeah. the audience can get more into that position. Well, I'm not going to tell what, what, what the position is that you want to be in because that would be wrong. So. Well, look, here's the thing for me, because everybody's so different. Everybody's unique. Everybody's himself. Um, so it's understanding yourself, first of all, to me, is the number one. Understanding. Uh, I know I am a world-class procrastinator. And I have no problem admitting that because if I try to deny it, it's just going to keep creeping up and sabotaging. Mm-hmm. It's going to keep, and everything will become the 11th hour. And I'll, oh my God, I got to get it done. I got to get it done. Right? And so I, I, I'll acknowledge and I'll say, yep, that's who I am. I know I am and I'm okay with that. So one of the tricks I use is knowing I'm a world-class procrastinator, um, I came up with a quote that I use as a mantra. I design my day in such a way that procrastination cannot play. And so that means is I purposely will book a lot of my calls and meetings for first thing in the morning. Why? Because as soon as I commit to someone else, then I'm going to get my ass out of bed and get it done. But if I don't have a call till 11, 11.30, then it's easy to go, oh, just a few, four. I did so much yesterday. I'm tired. I'm just going to, and I'm going to reset my alarm. Now, on the other side of that, because then, well, Robert, doesn't that just make you busier and busier, busier, because you're always up early and then, and I'm a late night person anyway, too, right? So I don't get a lot of sleep. But then one of the adjustments I've recently made, um, okay, when Corona happened, uh, I got busy. But I got so busy, I could, with time zones around the world, for students I was talking to all over the world, it could be 6 a.m. to 1 a.m. I was going, 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 getting burnt out. Because when I put my mind to something, I just, I don't take care of myself. Yeah, anybody, do you know anybody like that, Ari? Just curious. I'm watching I, know, your facial I know a few trillion people like that. <laughs> yeah. And so my wife instituted one thing. She said, here's what we're going to do. At noon, we sit down, we have lunch. We put our phones down and we play cards and connect. At dinner, we put our phones down. We have dinner. We watch TV and we just relax. Instituting those two simple little things 
all of a sudden changed my whole day where I wasn't feeling overwhelmed, wasn't feeling burnt out because now on my calendar, because I'm not used to living by a calendar per se, but everything gets scheduled now so that I know if there's a meeting and, and by going back to something we taught in one of the programs um, you learn is we use the big rock system. The first thing we put on our calendars are those balanced pieces. Family's important. So I'm here with family right now. Now, can I still do work in that? Yes, because with um, technology, I can do it. So, but the family is scheduled in first. And then when I now look at my schedule, I plan other things in. So I can do interviews. I can do things guilt-free mm. without beating myself up, thinking I'm taking my time away because I know the moment I'm done this call, I've got time back with family. I'm going to actually drive back to my home about an hour and a half, take care of our animals, and drive back up here and tonight we'll be sitting around a fire talking about you know the, how important our family is to us thinking of memories and just reliving stories and i i don't because i don't have anything else booked for the rest of the day that's it nice. and then I, to take it one more step further is is even it was so easy to go because to me I've, i haven't had weekends in years because when i'm on stage and traveling around the world my trains trains are on weekends and so you know, there's no such thing. But now being at home, because I'm designing the life to be able to do more from my home. That's why we built um, a beautiful studio on our property. It's so students can come see me. But tomorrow, Saturday, the next day, Sunday, I now take those days off to be with family. So that now Monday to Friday, I can put the work in. I can go out 100% no matter what hours I'm putting in. Because I'm not A, feeling guilty that I'm not being with family. B, I'm not taking care of myself because I now take care of myself because I've got the big rocks in place. And those are the practical skills that allow me to have the life I want with the success without being overwhelmed. And I hope that answers the, kind of the question for you. No, absolutely. It was, it's very thorough. I, I appreciate that because I, I think a lot of people these days, especially with the pivot of COVID and trying to make itself online, I know for me... I am, I'm technophobe at this point. When I was 18, I was a techno genius. And that lasted about as long as the Intel chip began. Like the last computer I built, I think was a 486 SX when I was building computers for people. I mean, that, you know, those big suitcase looking things. So yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I, I'm old, right? And so like one of my biggest overwhelms lately especially with COVID has been trying to figure out how to give a physical experience that I would normally do live in a virtual format. Like I, I have this thing that okay. I then you and I need to talk because what I do on stage, I'm doing on all my virtual trainings now. They are so interactive that people aren't, it's, it's, there's no different. What's making it different for you is you're thinking it's going to be different because you're now online. Well, that so you're you're creating the obstacle yeah, right there. That and they're online too. So here's here's one of the things that I do when I'm on stage. I know, but here's what I th I'll just give you one of my one of my things. So when yeah. I'm on stage, I have half the audience. I I have the entire audience stand up and scan the whole room. Right, they have to scan where everything is. They they it's like they take five minutes and they learn everything that's in the room. And then half of the crowd, I blindfold. And I tell them to walk 
across the room without bumping into anything or anybody, right? And then I have the other half guide them so they can feel what it's like to live on an island and do everything alone and what it's like to do something with somebody mentoring and a partner, right? It, it gives a very physical, visceral feeling to the audience that says, oh, I get that. That was an awesome exercise. And when everybody's in individual homes, not stay, not with a room that they, you know, do that. Like, can so I give I'm you a suggestion to... of what I would do? Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, <laughs> absolutely. We'll talk about that offline. You know, it's just, it's that. Yeah, because it, it is, this is where masterminding is so important because you're looking at it from your perspective with what you know and what's up here in your head. And so you're seeing things that will work, but then you're seeing, well, that won't work because, and this is why I'm a huge believer in masterminding is because now people get to see it from different perspectives and give you feedback on it. So yeah, offline, I'll give you, cause I definitely have a way I would do that if it was me online to make it fully interactive. Because here's the thing is the moment we say things are different now, we create the difference. Right. And, and so I'm learning like you, you call it technophobe. In all my years, I finally have a virtual assistant. For years, I've been saying, oh, I, I, I need one. And, and here's what's been beautiful about it. I actually have two now. And so one of the things I, I'm going to be doing is getting my social media going because I've never had to do that before. I got to decide how busy or not busy I wanted to be. They'd come and say, here's the events. Which ones do you want? I'll take that one and that one. That's all I had to do, right, for that. But now I'm actually putting myself out there because I'm doing my own training, my own material. And so... I'm on a call interviewing a virtual assistant and I'm saying, well, one of the things I want to do is I want to take pictures and, and I want to be able to create posts so that on Facebook, Instagram, um, LinkedIn, I can have them done. And I said, and I'll tell you, I've got thousands of photos of me around the world, but I never thought I could use them because they always had branding behind me or whatever. And, but I've been told, I think I can um, either take my image out of the picture or I can blank the um, image off. And here's what she said. She looked at me. She goes, yeah, that's easy. And I'm like, see, of course it's easy for her because that's her realm of experience. But how long have I been trying and struggling and give, coming up with the reason why it can't be done? So how many people that are struggling in their life are self-imposing a lot of the struggle on them instead of saying, if I get an outside perspective, a coach, a mentor, a mastermind group, mm -hmm. Someone else is going to look at it and go, oh, yeah, that's easy. Do this. And also it's like, oh, right? Yeah. I, I, one of the most, the biggest blessings that I think I had this last year during COVID is I put, I brought on three VAs. So I have one person who does all of this audio video editing stuff that, you know, and he does an amazing job at it. It's awesome. He produces all that kind of content for all the different channels, including the blogs. So we make sure that, you know, that the audience can get it on any which way they like to get information. Exactly. Um, but yeah, it, it's been a total blessing. I'm still working on the, the technology of the digital marketing side, you know, and like all of that. Uh, but my, my VAs are amazing. And I love the fact that I'm sitting here having this amazing conversation with you and they're working, you know, they put in 160 hours, just about, or 120 to 160 hours a week 
while I'm getting the opportunity to have these amazing conversations and make this amazing, this bigger impact. Right. Right. Exactly. And, so, and that's where that blindfold, like I want them to get the, that visceral experience of that, of what it's like really to be on that Island by yourself. And then for many people who have never ventured out for help, what is it like to have, somebody guiding you who has been there, who sees all the obstacles in the way, who sees the path, you know, to get you to where you're going. So let's definitely have that conversation offline. Cause dude, yeah. I, I'm going to blow your mind. I'm going to blow your mind. You always do. So sweet. And just so you know, like I learned from John Childers. I learned from a lot. My, my grandmother was a toastmistress for 40 years. So my mom's a teacher, my, my brother's a teacher. I was on acting stages. And then I did train the trainer with you. And the difference between speaking and training was brought to my attention. Mm -hmm. So viscerally, the difference. And now it's really difficult to listen to a speaker, <laughs> which, which is more like a lecturer, right? Versus a trainer yeah. that's actually training. So I, I appreciate it because I always love to learn. And by the way, to the audience, good thing to like, just think of yourself is I always love to learn. I am such an open vessel for learning new information and gaining new insights, right? I mean, you can affirm it all you want, or you could just say, ask a question and then listen, you know, shut your, <laughs> I have trouble with the shutting the mouth thing sometimes just like you, but I think it's because we related. Well, it's, it's because we speak so often on a stage. And then when we're not on stage, it's like silence, right? Crickets when we're by ourselves. And then the next time we get on stage, it's like, we got so much to say. <laughs> so that's where it goes. You know, Corona has, uh, has been amazing for me. I created this show, right? Mm -hmm. I started getting away from my fear of cameras because growing up in Hollywood, being 300 pound, big, short Jewish guy was, it wasn't okay to be on a camera. It was like in my world. And so I had to re rework my inner cells this year around being seen. Yep. Deepest part of that is, am I worthy to be seen? Right. Mm -hmm. So what is it that, that you overcame to be seen? I know you did the dominoes and then you went to on stages and you did a lot of training, if I recall, to get to being on that stage. But what was it that you went through doing that? And how can that help somebody who maybe it's like their issue is um, getting out of their house. Their issue is going to the store and being able to talk to the cashier, their issue, you know, it's like not being seen, that feeling of not worthy. Yeah. And, you know, one is having a lot of people think that vulnerability is a weakness, but in reality, vulnerability is one of the biggest strengths you can have. And so being willing to ask for some assistance and, 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 but it really comes down to the deep introspection, the deep dive into who are you, where did you come from? Where do you want to go? Because if you really set your sights on where you really want to go, your vision, that's going to give you the strength to do what needs to be done to go forward. Because it comes back to that action. 
Um, you know, in my book, I talk about the six steps. Step number one, find uh, is to dream, but dream big. Don't just dream, dream big. Because as a kid, anything is possible. But then as we grew up, we were taught all these reasons why it wouldn't work. You weren't born in the right family. You don't have the right education. You're not whatever it is, blah, 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 blah. So start dreaming big again. Step two, find that mentor, someone to model from. Unless you're a Jeff Bezos, unless you're a Elon Musk, chances are whatever you want to accomplish, someone's done it before you. So find out how they did it and follow the freaking system that they use. Be willing to invest in a, a mentor. Yeah, some of the greatest mentors are not with us anymore. So find out if they wrote a book. Find out if there's a biography. Find out if there was a training that they had. There's a way. If you're passionate about learning, there's a way to do it. Um, step three, take that action. So many people forget to take the action. And so they go to a great training and then go home. They may buy the next thing, but they put it up on the shelf. It becomes that shelf help. You have to take action. Good. You caught that. Good. Well, it's the shelf yeah, you have to yeah, take it. Shelf yeah. I like that. And then you've got to celebrate your successes because most people don't do that. That's why they sabotage. They just keep going, finding the reasons they didn't do it good enough. They didn't, you know, and that's what paralyzes them. If Roussel wants to come down and say hi to Robert. Okay. Just wanted to let her know if she gets off that I'm on with Robert. Yeah. And so, yeah, so celebrate your successes, the smallest success to the largest. There's no difference in size. It's what your mind tells you. So just celebrate. And then um, step five, it allows you to believe in yourself more. And that's where, that's what's going to help people the most. And that's why it's important you take all the steps because then step six is you repeat. So if you think about it, you set a dream, you find a mentor, you take action, you celebrate that success, which increases your belief in yourself, which allows you to set bigger dreams and goals, take, um, find greater mentors, take bigger actions, bigger celebrations, greater belief, and it becomes a perpetual circle. That's the key right there. And so for someone who is, you use an example, stuck in their house, open the door, step number one, close the door and celebrate the heck out of the fact that you just open the door. And then the second time, open the door and then maybe poke your toe out the door and pull it back in and close the door. Well, Robert, what if that takes a long time? Well, uh, can it take any longer than being stuck in your house for however long you've been stuck in your house? So the fact that you can actually maybe take one little step at a time and celebrate it, watch what's possible. For me, the self-awareness is as a child, I love to sing. I love to sing so much, but obviously I'm not a good singer because I even got kicked out of a choir. And then what happened is my mom went down and being my mom, she ripped a strip off the teacher, how, you know, blah, 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 blah. And they made them put me back into the choir. And I was put onto a little musical instrument, a, a slide whistle. So my voice wouldn't be heard. So I internalized that my voice is not worth hearing. And to become a speaker, when I started speaking or training, my voice would be gone instantly. Because who am I? Why, what value do I have to give? And until I did the introspection and really understood where that was coming from and that I do deserve to be heard, that's when the switch happened for me. And it took a lot of work. I'll never, ever say it's going to be easy. Never. But it's worth putting the work in if it's something you truly want to go for. Yeah. What becomes easier is when you have those mentors, you know, when you're not doing yes. it alone. It, it, it's, it's like, you know. You're trying to do it on your own. Exactly. It's like dragging a, an anchor up a hill versus being pushed up a hill. Yep. It, still it, up a hill. It's, it's crazy. Still yep, up a hill. It is. Absolutely. But yep. 
this is just difference in how you go. You know, you could hover, yeah. hovercraft it. <laughs> you got four propellers with four people helping you, you know, um, yeah. up, more power, faster ride. Right. So, Absolutely. you know, I think people don't understand though, also that like you mentioned Bezos or, or jobs or Gates or whoever, you know, Elon Musk, none of them did any of what they do alone. Not no. a single thing, not, not even like a thought was on their yeah. own because they had to be yep. taught what to think about as babies, yep. like none of that. So that goes to my, to my saying, which is we made this shit up. We could do better. Oh. So yeah. when it comes to what we're married to, because there's a big thing, like you look online right now and everybody's so married to their opinion. Nobody has facts of anything. They have research. They have points of reference. But who is that points of reference fact? We don't know. Nobody has facts. Yeah. A lot of opinions, though. And yeah. so the question becomes, how do we get to those awareness like of what is, right, to reality? Yeah. Well, you know, what I, I'm going to pause you there because that's me. Um, I have a hard stop coming up, just so you know. So to me, that's a whole, I, I see doing another conversation with you because I think you and I could talk for hours yeah. on the different things and be of, of value and, and be of service. And that is another deep dive down a rabbit hole that, yeah, it, you know, <laughs> and, and we could open Pandora's box on a lot of things for sure. Yeah. I am. Uh, I, I, I'm all for those kind of conversations. Those are my favorite, you know, I don't, I don't want to censor you or me or anything anymore. Frankly, I'm like, I'm so over right. the, the inauthenticity of trying to be what everybody else, you know, is looking for. And what yeah. I noticed when I first met you is how authentically you expressed other people's work. It wasn't your work but you expressed it through some level of authenticism that I could never do. I can't do the yes or yes thing with levels of authenticness because to me, it, it's a technique and a tool, but I know the techniques and the tools. And so I go, ah, people, this person was using that to manipulate. This person was using that. So I just, I pull back from some of those, Get it. You know, a friend of mine said that I'm an NLP master and don't ever talk, you know, say I'm not because <laughs> she's like, you just did it right there to that person. <laughs> but see, and that's it is it. actually though, but taking those techniques and those systems, but putting you into it. And so if you go, you know, cause yeah, you could use it to manipulate people in a negative way or the ripple effect or in a positive supportive way. And so then it comes to checking in with yourself moment to moment. How do I choose to use this gift I have? Yeah. But also understanding that what you think may be impacting someone in a positive way, another person can look at the exact same thing and go, oh, how dare they? They're manipulating them in a negative way. And so if we worry about all that, no wonder we get overwhelmed. No wonder we get burnt out. No wonder we don't live our gifts. But if we sit there and take one step at a time, owning who we are and focus with the people that see the value we give instead of trying to... Um, change the minds of the people that don't see the value not that it's not right maybe it's not right for them right now just be you greatest gift you can give the world is to show up for who you are 
in all your authenticity. Yeah, good. I want you to repeat others, that. Doesn't matter. Yeah, I want you to repeat that twice, two more times. Go. Yeah, show up in all your authenticity, whatever that looks like—good, bad, ugly. Be you. Be you. It's the greatest gift you can give. Yeah. So yeah, be authentic. Be and those who love you for who you are are going to show up. Those who don't, they not won't stay around for long, and that's okay. Because if they if they can't or if they can't handle you for who you are, but they want you to be someone else. Oh my God! No wonder we struggle. Exactly. When we buy into that stuff. This is this is this is the makeup of most origin traumas, right? So if I'm doing trauma work, the origin traumas are almost always based on the expectations of those around you, and have absolutely nothing to do with yourself. To do with you. Yeah. Nothing. Absolutely. So, so that's why I know we're going to have another conversation, but, and dude, I would love to keep going. I would. No, absolutely. Um, <laughs> I, I, so I always do tips and tricks. We've done a lot of them, but give me three based on what we've talked about so far, just three really crystal clear that somebody can do tomorrow action steps that they can do tomorrow today to change their lives, to create a new tomorrow and activate their vision for a better world. Yeah. Number one, become more present. Remember to take that deep breath, check in with yourself. How am I doing now? Honor that. Number two, take one more step in the direction you want to go. And three, be you. Awesome. We're going to do this again. Hopefully, Canada will be open and we'll do this live somewhere where we could actually like get in it, you know, but uh, that would be awesome. That would be awesome. But uh, thank you so much. Where can people get a hold of you if they'd like to connect with you and learn more about how they could work with yeah. you? Yeah, my Facebook fan page is the easiest way. And so uh, on Facebook, just put my name in, Robert Riopel. You'll see my fan page. Um, I can't take any more get, um, friends. Unfortunately, they got me back though. But on my fan page, if you follow it, you'll um, get tapped into a lot of my work. I am on LinkedIn and Instagram, I'm told now. So yeah, we're, we're, my VAs are getting that up. But also, um, as a gift, I'd love for your listeners to get a copy of my book, Success Left a Clue, as the ebook version, as my gift to them for having me on your show. Well, that would be awesome. And we will make sure to get all your links and, and stuff like that so that it's going to be on the bottom of every, uh, every posting for this. And, uh, and we'll get you all that. So thank you so much. I'm sure that the audience will love that because anything that we could do to make a new, create a new tomorrow today and activate our vision for a better world is what this show is about. So I really appreciate you being here. Thank you so much. This has been another episode, crazy episode of Create a New Tomorrow. I'm your host, Ari Grodich. Thank you so much for being here and have a amazing weekend. Thank you for listening to this podcast. I appreciate all you do to create a new tomorrow for yourself and those around you. If you'd like to take this information further and are interested in joining a community of like-minded people who are all passionate about activating their vision for a better world, go to the website, createanewtomorrow.com and find out how you can be part of making a bigger difference. I have a gift for you just for checking it out and look forward to seeing you take the leap and joining our private paid mastermind community. Until then, see you on the next episode. 